welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. All right, here we are. How Hello. are you, Joy? I'm doing great. Awesome. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, the no- the noises. It's kind of it's an interesting climate right now, being quarantined. I want to get to that in Hawaii as well, but there's probably going to be some weird noises. I, this sounded like my neighbors were having a party, <laughs> not doing the, <laughs> not doing their part of uh, of self quarantining. Bad neighbors. Bad neighbors. Bad neighbors. I know. My wife and I were driving around the other day, um, and we were like putting thumbs up, thumbs down, just going mask, no mask. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. that's it's like it's delightful to like drive around and judge people, but yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And then we're like, wait, should we be driving around? Should I know. Then it's like, <laughs> wait, they're going to judge me. Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what's it like? You're on uh, the Big Island in Hawaii, correct? I am. I am. And we've been, we've been uh, pretty much staying at home since uh, March 13th. So it's coming up on a, a month now. And Oh, wow. You beat us. A, you beat LA. Well, we, we personally did. I, I think the island went on lockdown about a week and a half ago, but we were kind of keeping an eye on LA and New York and our friends there were like, we're just not going to take any chances here. Right. Um, and so That's far, smart. it's been pretty good here. I think there's 20, 23 people that have gotten it on this island, and no one's been hospitalized, and nobody has died. So this oh, seems wow. very positive so far. Fingers another, crossed. Another reason to move to Hawaii, everybody. <laughs> As if You're just going to have this yes. influx of people now. Well, how many people on, um, are you talking about Hawaii uh, in general, all the islands, or just where you are? This particular island, yeah. Gotcha. Some of the others, uh, you know, the the big island is pretty. It's pretty big, and there's not a lot of people here, so we we all have a lot more personal space than some of the other islands are a little more cramped. Ah, nice. Okay, and and how's it been with like grocery stores and you know buying stuff? Because here it's just like it's literally like a zombie apocalypse movie. You, <laughs> you go in there, there's nothing there. You you have to stand in line. The line kind of goes around the whole building. <laughs> it's insane. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. god! Um, you know, we've been, there's, there's one store that you can kind of call in your order and go pick it up in the parking lot and they stick it in the back of your car. So we've oh, been that's doing nice. that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. All these new things where my wife's been doing Instacart. So we're having it kind of delivered. It's a little pricey, but you know, that's what they're recommending right now. And this week was like the first week where basically we placed an order and just nobody got back to us. So oh dear. <laughs> as of right now, we don't have any groceries coming. So it might wow. be it might be kind of a enforced uh, fasting period for me. Yeah, see that's that's that 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 mainland technology of Instacart. I'm like I've heard that, but I don't really know what it is because they don't have it here. So. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You guys got some fancy stuff out there. We're, I'll tell we're, you. we're fancy, but it doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next stage is just making it all work. But right. um, well, that's awesome. So. Joy Ray is a, is a an abstract artist, and is, would it be correct to say you are a textile painter? That's that's what I call myself. Yeah, I, I used to feel like I fell more into the textile uh, textile art, fiber art camp, and over time, I'm feeling more like a painter. Ah. But uh, everything still has some sewing or fiber element to it. So yeah, textile painting is kind of where I've landed. Yeah. I love that about your work. I love the I love the contrast. It's very dark. You have like a lot of contrast between black and white. It's very tactile. You want to just kind of reach out and touch it. I saw that some of the stuff that you do is I think you called it concretized. So you like harden the fabric, I'm assuming. Yeah, I've gotten really into taking um sand and mixing it with the paint. And so this oh, kind nice. of creates this very, you know, almost like concrete surface to it, which I love. It just reminds me of old, you know 
fucked up sidewalks or the sides of yes. buildings and cities and, you know, or lava rock, which we have here on this island and, and those kinds of surfaces. Um, oh, but I it's very it. hard. Like when I, when I think about sewing through that, it actually gets quite painful. So it's very hard to get a needle through concrete. I will just say that. Oh yeah. I was, I was interested <laughs> in that. So yeah, exactly. You're working your muscles. Um, yes. But I was wondering if you sewed uh, before that. So you're actually sewing after it's hardened. I do both. I do both. So sometimes I, I usually put some kind of surface on the canvas before I, before I start sewing just to kind of, you know, I, I learned over time that, that if I don't sort of apply something evenly, almost like a gesso to the canvas, yeah. if I then go and put paint anywhere, it'll stretch and, you know, kind of warp in a way that I don't necessarily love. So right. I would do something first and then I might sew and then I might do some paint and then I might do some sewing and I might do some painting. So it kind of goes back and forth. Oh, interesting. Like I love also your, your pieces have kind of this element of decay that I'm really drawn to. Also, I start uh, people know my work for being very like colorful and bright and vibrant, but I do dip into the dark. And, and every time I do that, people are like, what are you doing? But I, I'm interested <laughs> in the, I'm interested in art as it kind of ages and decays and as paint kind of changes over time and with different elements. So I'm really drawn to that um, with your work, too. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I find I, I'm obsessed with that. Just things can look really great while they're falling apart and yes. rotting. And I just, I love that, that look. Yeah. Yeah. Let nature kind of uh, take its toll on the piece too. I wanted to read, I was looking at your website earlier and I just wanted to read this for everybody because you'll probably say it better than I do. Um, is that all right with you? Yeah, of course. Okay. It says, Joy Ray's textile paintings grapple with the tantalizingly unknowable secret codes, lost languages, parallel worlds, and the occult. Her work is defined by a bold, minimalist palette and richly textured materials, including twine, wool, sand, and plaster. That's awesome. I'm obviously interested in the secret codes and the occult. Um, can you can you talk about that at all, or is it or is it kind of private? I know the codes are secret, so you might not be you know, might not they're, be able to tell secret. me. <laughs> That's the key thing about the secret codes is yeah. they're secret. No, um, yeah. I, I'm super interested in in well in language first of all, and in communication, and in communication that's somehow gone awry. So you know. Uh-huh. It's like a message in a bottle, but the bottle never reaches anybody. Um, right. Or a message that's left for somebody, but that person doesn't see it and the wrong person sees it or the, the right person sees it, but they interpret it the wrong way. So that kind of those moments where communication can just go astray oh, nice. and, and secret codes sort of play into that. Uh, so I, I've done a lot of research into different types of codes. Uh, there's, there's a Masonic code that I've incorporated into some of my work. Um, there's alchemic uh, uh, symbols from, you know, the 1700s that I've incorporated. And oh, then wow. uh, I actually made up my own code and that That's one- That's what is, I was going to ask. Yeah. It's completely, completely secret so far, unless somebody cracks it, which, you know, that would be very exciting if someone did. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm putting, you know, secret messages on most of my canvases. Nice. Well, I just got a ding here, even though I'm on private. So I, I we're going to just roll with all these things. This is the life in quarantine, everybody. This is, this is what it's going to be. Hashtag quarantine life. Yeah. Hashtag, yeah, hashtag quarantine life. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. So the secret. Oh, and then what about the, the occult? Can you talk about that at all? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I, I got into around the same time that I seriously started making art was I got into uh, the tarot. And mm-hmm. just as a way of visual storytelling that, kind of circumvents your brain because the images are kind of these iconic images in our Western culture. And I I just find that it's an interesting way to sort of get straight to your intuition or whatever might lie beyond that. Yeah. Um, And, and put some interesting thoughts together that, that, you know, are kind of unexpected or fresh. And so that idea of just of, of working from an intuitive space of incorporating accidents you know, if, if something gets knotted, if something gets messed up, then I generally will just roll with it and assume that that's how it was meant to be. Yes. And, and kind of trying to like be in that moment of let's, let's, let's incorporate, let's embrace chaos, let's embrace accident. Oh yeah. The happy accident. I, I love that too. I think, I think painters and artists have a, a tendency to have kind of something in their mind and they're like, well, no, wait, no, I can't stray from this at all. This is how I envision it. And if it goes different, I'm going to just try to tweak it as much as I can to get it as close to my vision as possible. But I think a lot of times in my own work, and it sounds like with yours, the more you kind of like are in the moment and present and letting it evolve on its own, that kind of adds to the work. I always end up seeing my work 
change and go, oh, this was actually better than I envisioned in the first place. So it sounds like you're doing kind of a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like my process um, that I've kind of come up with allows for accident. Like one of the things that I'm doing now is I'm just taking, you know, I, I treat the canvases in some kind of way with some kind of material. And then I just will slice them up and oh, nice. flip them around and just stitch them back together in a different order. And, you know, I, I don't, I try not to think about it too much, the order that they get back. And now I don't know, you can tell me, like, I'm like, are we supposed to actually say like, oh no, everything is very, I picked that out, especially, right? Like right, right. <laughs> exactly. I have total control over my medium here, but yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it depends on who you're talking to, but I think people have to understand that it's, it's a, it's a process that's evolving. I mean, I don't know how many times I started a piece and I'm like, you know what? I hate it. This is just not working out, but I force myself to keep going. And then it evolves into something that ends up being like one of my favorite pieces. So to say that you have control over the whole process all the time, I think would, would obviously be a lie, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's funny when, when I really hate a, a piece, when, it, when it's, you know, I'm like, oh man, there's just no salvaging this. In some ways it frees you up to try something with it that maybe you wouldn't dare to if you were really happy with it. And exactly. you, know, have, you can have some great breakthroughs that way and come up with new new techniques. And- yeah. Cause it takes some pressure off. You're like, ah, well, whatever, this is a throwaway piece at this point. So now I can just do whatever I want with it. Yeah. Yeah. And some great stuff comes out of that. That, that kind of fearlessness is really important, I think. For sure. And, and so you said you have um, your significant other, does he ever look at your work and encourage you not to throw stuff away? I know my wife does that. She's like, no, 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 don't throw it away. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> I, will like it. <laughs> I mean, I never throw anything away. So that's okay. maybe my problem, but yeah, but he's, he's super supportive. So we've got the walls of our house are completely covered in my work and he, he's excited about that. So. Oh, awesome. That would, that would be a problem if he's like, I don't know, I'm not sure if I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's so also dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, I love it. I, I think it's also very practical, right? As artists, if once you kind of amass a big body of work, storage becomes a huge issue. So, what better way to store things than to put them on the wall? Well, exactly, and also to live with something. You know, there's there's times when I, I feel like a piece is done, and I put it up on the wall, and you know, a, a month later, I'll be like, you know what, that thing actually needs it needs something else. So. Right. It gives you a chance to kind of sit with it and live with it. Yes. Yes. Oh, or awesome. vice versa. Or things that I think are, are not quite done, you know, after a while, it turns out they are. So. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, it's interesting because I feel like with, um, with me in the past, especially, I, I used to do pop surrealism, like really dark personal stuff. And people would be like, wow, you're dark. And they would, they would meet me and they'd be like, you're nothing like your work. You, sound, you seem so happy and upbeat for your work. But I kind of get the same vibe from you. Do you ever get that from people who go, wow, your work is so dark and you're, you're nothing like this when I'm talking to you. Yeah. Well, and especially given that my name is Joy, that right, really, right. you know, people are like, wait a minute, what's going on? And Joy um, Ray. Joy Ray. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Um, yeah. You know, the, there, there is that, but I, I think, I think anyone that really actually knows me kind of understands I've got a, I've got a dark streak a, a mile wide. So Yes. Yes, yeah. we all do. I've got a dark side. My friend used to call, say that I was going to the dark side, but um, <laughs> I think that's good. But also like art, doesn't it give us a chance to explore that darkness um, in a kind of a positive and uh, cathartic way, right? Yeah. And I think, I, I think the thing that I'm interested in is, you know, generally like, I, I mean, I'm looking out my window right now. It's a beautiful sunny day in Hawaii. I can see the ocean. There's palm trees. It's lovely. Yeah. And at the same time, there's this kind of feeling of existential dread, right? And right. it's, of course, very prevalent right now in, you know, this time of quarantine. But even generally, there's sort of this feeling of like, this isn't meant to last. It's, you know, for one reason or another, zombie apocalypse or volcano yeah. explosion or climate change, you know, don't get too comfortable because it could all be ripped apart in a uh. second. And so that feeling of sort of, dread and suspense is kind of what interests me. And that's really, I feel like my art is really coming from that tension, that dichotomy. Oh, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. And especially nowadays, I mean, obviously with the, uh, the coronavirus, I'm, I'm sick of even saying that, but um, I, I've been starting to call it the virus, which will not be named. So, I love that. Just so yeah. we don't have to say anything about it. But yeah, I mean, even when this is over, which it will be at some point, you know, we've got extreme climate change and we've got fires are are tearing California apart in a lot of the country. And like you said, earthquakes and uh, hurricanes and floods and volcanoes. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, you never know when it's going to hit. I, I like that impermanence. That's, that's cool. 
Yeah. And I, you know, a couple of years ago, the volcano was really active here on the big island where I live. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of made me think, you know, you're walking down the street, the street feels very stable and underneath is magma and it's waiting to pop out, right. you know, and you just never know. So all this, you know, it's, it's really, stability is kind of an illusion. Security is. is really an illusion. You know, everything is very precarious at all times is, is kind of how I feel. I like that. So you've kind of uh, surrendered to that a bit? Yeah, you know, you, you, if you can't beat it, join it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll just become <laughs> as volatile as, as nature. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It's interesting to hear the stories about Hawaii. So what's it like being a, an artist in Hawaii? Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's interesting. So I, I kind of, I, I have different emotions about it at different points in time. So I, I go to LA a lot, as you know, you know, I tend to run into you most of the time when I'm there. Yeah. Uh, generally about once a month. And I used to live in LA for a long time and I do feel like part of me still lives there. It's, you know, it's got a little part of my heart kind of forever. Um, and, and I love that civilization and I love the art world there is so amazing. There's so much going on and so many great people and places. And I get FOMO when I go home and I'm like, Oh, there's, you know, it's just so quiet here. Right. Uh, But I've really come to appreciate that. So when I'm, when I'm at my house in Hawaii, I can just go into my studio and just kind of, you know, isolate and, and there's no billboards. There's, there's almost nothing visual here to react to apart from nature. And that's nice. It's kind of, there's something very special and helpful about that. I'm sort of coming to find. So you said you lived uh, here for a while. I did a long time. Yeah, I lived in Echo Park. I lived in Venice Beach. Um, yeah, and I have a ton of friends there. And just I love I love LA. I love going to I love I love driving in LA. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if you can get anywhere, it's Absolutely. gotten really bad. Although, well, not, not now. <laughs> not now. No, no, not now. My wife still has to go to work. Um, she's one of the few because she works in a uh, in UCLA, and so she has to go to work every day. And man, she gets home in like 15 minutes, which it used to take her about an hour. So that's great. The pollution yeah. aspect of it is obviously great, but uh, I, I would trade it for everybody being well, obviously. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so we, I can't remember, where did we first meet? I know we would bump into each other from time to time, but where was the first place that we met? I think, okay, this is what I remember is it was a show at Shockbox and mm-hmm. I think both of us, it was a group show. Both, both of us were in it and yeah. I was there. I I'd come out, you know, I'm from Hawaii. I don't really know a lot of people, uh, in Hermosa or at that point I didn't at any rate. And you were super friendly and you were like, Hey, I'm in the show. Are you in the show? Let's go check out your work. And that's oh, how nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's the antithesis of, of how I used to be. I used to be the guy who would sit in the corner, um, like sneaking a drink, you know, <laughs> and, and like, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> As you get older, right in the art world, you you realize you have to you have to talk to people, and you have to you know talk about your work a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely, and so and you know so a plus a plus for you on that. You were uh, very, oh, very I was, outgoing and wonderful. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, no, you too. But I wasn't fishing for a compliment, but thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. No. Um, uh, by the way, congrats on the program. You are in the program now, right? I know it's so exciting and I don't even, I I feel like all the way from Hawaii and I get to be part of this. All the way from the big Island. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's brand new and it's, it's really exciting. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, we talk about Shockbox a lot on here. Um, Shockbox Gallery in Hermosa Beach. Some of the uh, small number of of artists that are represented through the gallery um, and Mike Collins are, are called the program artists. And, it's uh, the few, the proud, and Joy was just added to that list. So that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and and I think from what I understand, everyone kind of contributes. People, you know, watch watch the gallery, you know, help keep the gallery open, or you know, I know you're you're active with helping to hang the shows and helping out with all the cafe calls. And so yes. I, I I offered to Mike to uh, you know help update the website because I'm secretly a Squarespace ninja. So I know um, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I, I went in because I was doing some of the calls and I was like, wait a minute, this has changed. And I was like, oh, it actually looks good. Okay. <laughs> so you did a, you did a good job. Yeah, I think it's kind of, I, I don't think people are expected to, but we all, I, what I like about Shockbox is, and, and all the artists that are involved and the, the program has changed a tiny bit, but the people who are kind of sticking around seem to be the type of artists that like want to get involved and want to pitch in and and, and grow a, a community because 
that's something that I've always found is very difficult to um, cultivate in the art world is as a community of artists that you can kind of relate to and talk to and, and feel like have your back. So I, I really love that about that. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think when I first, um, the way I first met Mike is I saw one of his paintings on Facebook. Someone had just shared it from a show that he was in. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately like, Hey, this guy's, you know, using black, he's using sewing. Yes. I've got to meet this guy. You know, it, it completely reminded me of my own work, which, you know, vanity or, or whatever have you. But, um, I, I emailed Mike and within five minutes, he emailed me back and he's like, come check out my studio. I was in LA two days later and that's how I met him. So, you know, it's just sort oh, of a nice. plug for, you know, if you like someone's work, reach out to them and tell them and let them know because, you know, cool stuff can happen from that. Oh yeah. It's, it's the only way you build a community too. I think artists tend to isolate themselves too much and go, my artwork is the only artwork that matters. And that is so not true. The more you embrace the community, the more you do like what they used to do back in the old days of, of the abstract expressionist movement. When in New York, for example, they would do studio visits all the time. And that just raised the level of the playing field. And I think that's what we need more. I mean, we've have that with, for example, Instagram now and all of our social media, but it's different than like seeing it in person and getting, getting into somebody's studio and talking to that person or, you know, hanging out with them in a gallery show. Yeah. And just seeing the kind of the, the raw stuff and the stuff that's in progress, you know, we all curate our Instagram quite a bit and it's, it's good to Definitely. get that, that look behind the curtain too. Well, yeah. And you, and it, you probably have a better eye for it than some people and, and me as well, because we work on this every day, but a lot of people who are maybe just art lovers, if they go on Instagram and they see a piece, they don't know how big it is. They don't know what the texture looks like in person. You're, you're seeing it maybe in a context picture on a wall. So when you really see it in person, it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is a lot different <laughs> than what I was seeing on social media. Yeah, and, and not everyone's uh, work is best viewed in a tiny photo you know, that's two inches square. You know, so right. people's work really, you know, you see it online and it may not really jump out at you and you see it in person. It's like, holy cow, it's amazing. And yeah. Vice versa. yeah. yeah. And, and also then you've got the other side too, where people are manipulating the work too much for that medium. And then you see it in person. It's like, oh, this is completely different. If I were a gallery owner who was putting this into my show, I would be a little upset when this piece got to my, uh, into the, the gallery space because <laughs> it, it's not represented correctly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've, I, I, that, that's interesting because you're, you're, you've been on that jury inside of things. So oh, do you yeah. ever find that that happens? That, oh my God. Uh, well, luckily I think because we have, um, we typically have about three to four, sometimes five artists who are doing it. And between the five of us and, and the group, uh, we all have an eye for it. We're all typically artists. Uh, we've been pretty lucky. There, there have been a couple things, but um, it does seem like some of those people weed themselves out naturally. Like some pieces just kind of magically don't show up at the, at the gallery. <laughs> like, I don't know if they were just not accept, uh, you know, expecting to, to get accepted into the show. But um, yeah, we've been very lucky. I think we'll probably have you. Uh, as a juror, if you want to be at some point. Oh, that'd be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know what the cool part of that is? It just shows, it like underlines some of these things that we learn along the way, which is, it is not about you. So many times as an artist, you're kind of freaked out like, oh, they didn't like my work. This is a rep- this is representative of how horrible my work is or how I, I you know, I, I can't whatever function in this community or something. But really it's just like, four out of the five people loved your work or we all loved your work and it just wasn't right for this particular show. And that's just been really nice to see behind the curtain. I've discovered that over time anyway, but it, it, it underscored that I just don't need to take any of these things personally. Mm, those are good lessons. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really you know, the first, lesson. the first rejections can be really crushing. Oh my um, God. At this point though, I've gotten, you know, so many that I'm eh, whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and don't you think getting rejections is like a sign of progress? I do. I do. It's yeah, it's, it's, you've just got to go through it. You've got to grow through it. And, but I do, I do have a little rule. Like if I get rejected from the same place more than, you know, two times or so, I'm like, you know what? They just may not catch my vibe. Yeah, that's no, okay. that's true. The one gallery I'll push back on that with is uh, La Luz de Jesus. Do you know that gallery? Oh, I love that gallery. Yeah. It's an awesome gallery. That was like, when I was doing Pops Realism, that was like number one on my list. And I sure. tried to get in there for about 10 years and I always got rejected. And I even had some people, artist friends that, that I knew that were in there that were getting into the shows. And I finally just said, fuck it. I was like, you know what? This has been about five times I've been rejected. I, I'm done with this gallery. And I had another friend who we were talking on the phone and he said, you know what? 
He said, he's like, fuck them. Just, just keep submitting. Who cares? Just do it. And I was like, all right. And then the very next time I submitted, I got accepted and I did what? like three shows. Hey, there. Look at that. So you never know. You never know. But, um, yeah. Yeah, if it's I mean if it's if it's a really great place like Alusa Jesus then yeah. Yeah, but um so so how what's the art scene like in Hawaii? Oh right, yeah, you you asked me that. Um so there's there's kind of it's sort of a I don't know. I don't want to say schizophrenic, but there's there's sort of two art scenes that operate in parallel uh-huh. and one of them is kind of what I think of as high-end souvenirs. Um so it's you know it's the turtles, right. and it's the hula girls and it's the sunsets and and all that. And kind of like tur- tourist based almost tourist based. And there's a lot of commercial galleries here that really just focus in that work. And, and, you know, there's some great artists making that work. Um, but it's, it's definitely that, that is not a place like I have no, no correlation, no relevance to that world at all. Right. Um, and nor, nor am I interested in, you know, in trying to, you know, change my work so that it would appeal to tourists. It's just not where I'm at. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, there's this kind of, it's almost like an underground scene on this island, at least, of artists that are making really cool contemporary work, really cool, um, I'd say crafts, you know, ceramics and and fiber work and so forth, but very elevated, Um, you know, world-class sculptors, world-class artists, really, of all different sorts. And there are some spaces where shows happen. um, And I'm in some of those shows right now. They're closed, but the work right. is on the walls. Um, and there's some amazing people and some amazing, you know, institutions that, that are there, but it's, it, it does feel, it does feel a little bit underground. And I think part of it is on this Island, we're so spread apart. You know, I could drive two hours to have to see somebody. Um, so, oh, so it's, it's kind of like LA in that way. It is, it is, but it's, it's real driving. Like you're, you know, you're going the whole time. It's not stop and start. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just did some distance. So, right, right. you know, so, so we don't, we don't, you know, so when we do get together, it's very exciting. It's like, oh my gosh, we're all here in one place actually in person. Well, it's also cool to be a little bit part of the underground there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think from a, you know, if you're interested in selling work, it's, it doesn't have necessarily a lot of those opportunities here on the Island. I think, you know, you've got to go for you know, a bigger art market like LA, you know, or yeah. online and things like that. So. Right. And have you, have you kind of made that jump to, um, I mean, I know you're showing your work online, social media, everything, but are, are you selling pretty well online or is that something you've kind of uh, put off at this point? You know, I've, I've dipped my toe in the pool, I suppose, but I, I know like you're such an inspiration to me because you are, you know, you've really got it on lock, I feel like. And I, it's kind of on my to-do list, but it stays on my to-do list. So at some yeah. point I'll get there probably. It's like a full-time job. That's the only thing, as I'm sure you know, constantly uploading, marketing, doing all the stuff. But, um, and you're, are you working uh, part-time as well? Yeah. I, so I have a, I have my day job and mm-hmm. um, basically I, I work remotely. I work from home. And, oh, nice. Um, I, I only have to work about 20 hours a week and I can kind of you know, oh, that's perfect. Life. So it's, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not in a real, it, I, I don't have that real edge of like, you know, I have to sell work because, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to not eat if I don't sell a painting. Right. So, right. Like, like me, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but self, but I, self-imposed though. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, you know, I'm kind of, sometimes I'm like, I, you know, wow, that would be great. That kind of, uh, you know, probably is very motivational to have that. It's motivational and terrifying at the same right? time. <laughs> You're really but, living, Preston. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. Oh my god! But it yeah. does. It's weird. It's kind of like it's a dream, but it's also very restrictive. If that makes any sense, because a lot of times I'm, I'm basically working seven days a week, like all the time. I, I used to be like, oh, once I quit my day job, we're gonna have so much more time. And now my wife's like, you're working more, and I, I, don't, I mean, at least we can see each other inside our place on the weekends, but half of my days on the weekends are working too. Yeah. The hardest yeah. working man in, in the art world. Well, no, no, no. But it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it's very, um, uh, there's a high level of competition online. And it's weird too, because you can get kind of sucked into that and then forget about kind of the brick and mortar galleries as well. So I feel like I'm always trying to reestablish a balance with those kinds of things. Um, but 20 hours a week for you is is perfect. That gives you plenty of time to, uh, to create and, and do some of those things if you want explore them. Yeah, it's, it's ideal actually. And, and the work that I do is on, you know, mostly on a computer, it's kind of, it's design related, but it's digital. And mm-hmm. so it really just, you know, when I get it, when I get to go into the studio and get my hands dirty and like, you know, mess stuff up and, you know, it's, yeah. it's really like very, very enjoyable that way. Yeah. And then you, Screw you, you kinda... pixels, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. No, but it's nice that you're also kind of doing something creative too with your with your uh, side job too. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's more like I would kind of, I think of it more as like creative problem solving in a way. It's, it's the nerd, the nerd part of graphic design where it's, it's problem solving. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I enjoy it. Awesome. Well, um, just fine. Last time you were here, when we ran into each other, you were at a Shockbox show. Uh, what was the show called? I can't remember now. Which show? Was it Love Hurts? Oh, Did yes, it was Love it Hurts. There? Okay. Yep, Love Hurts. And then you also had something going in, um, was it Launch LA? You had a two-person yeah, show? Yeah, so yeah, I had my, this was my, this was my, that was my biggest show uh, so far at that time. And that was last September. It was a two person show mm-hmm. and launch LA is just this really cool space. It's on La Brea in Hollywood. And, uh, James Panazzo who runs it is just this amazing guy. He's very, he just is very supportive of emerging artists mm-hmm. and curates these great shows. And so I did it with, um, my friend Samuel Richardson, who uh, makes these great textile sculptures that are also on the darker side, and so she and I put a proposal together. We gave it to James. He was in, you know, in five seconds. He's like, "I'm in. Let's do this thing." Oh, um, nice! And it was it was just the most the most I could have hoped for. It, it really went. It couldn't have gone any better. Oh, that's awesome! Of, yeah, you and know, you got in terms some of sales, in terms of press, in terms of just excitement, and you know, it was so great to just see, you know, to be able to put a cohesive body of work on the wall at one time and really kind of get my point across because in group shows, it's just one piece and people are like, well, what is that? What are you doing? I don't get it. So it's like, all right, here you yeah. go. Yeah. And also it's after you do a certain amount of shows, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to travel and put this much work into promoting the show. I've got like one little piece on the <laughs> wall. It feels really good to just be able to breathe in the gallery. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was so cool. He's, he gave us the keys to the gallery. He's like, you know, Casa is Casa, do whatever you want. So we oh, had it, awesome. you know, an, an old friend of mine is, um, you know, is, is this, uh, does sound baths. So he came in and did this sound bath one night and I don't know, we just, we had fun with it. So. Oh, cool. Like, like, like a crystal sound totally, bath type thing. Totally. Oh, yeah, I love like, those. Yeah. Like lights out, you know, all of us on the floor on mats and, you know, cool lighting and, chanting oh and you know weird you know buddhist you know chimes and things it was great oh man i i wish i could have been there I, yeah. my wife took me on my birthday once to the integratron have you ever heard of that oh my god i want to go to that so badly so you know about it yes oh yes. my god it's joshua amazing. tree right joshua tree yeah it's in the desert it's like out there by itself uh it's this big dome and the acoustics in there are just amazing you can sit on one side of the wall and whisper and the person directly opposite you can hear you like they're like you're talking right into their ears that's so cool it's amazing but you got some really good um press for the show too i saw you were in la weekly you had a write-up in artillery right yep artillery um diversions art and cake we were in la weekly a couple of times oh nice uh we were in riot material so yeah it was just beyond what i'd hoped for are you planning on ever uh, coming back here or are you, are you thinking about just, no, I'm okay. done. Without, no, <laughs> I can't wait to go back. I can't wait until I can travel again. You know, it will. And, and actually like, this is a little, it's a little bittersweet right now because just about a week ago was supposed to be the opening of my first solo show in Oakland, California. Oh, really? And yeah. And I was, I was so looking forward to that, you know, was, the postcards were made, the postcards were sent out, like everything was ready to go. And then a change of plans. So oh, um, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So it, we'll, we'll get to it at some point. And, uh, did they, did, roll they with it. did they tell you they were going to uh, postpone it? Um, yeah, you know, we were, the, the curator is a, is a really good friend of mine, um, Christine Farouge, and she's, you know, so we were on the phone every day going, what should we do? What should we do? And she was open to, you know, doing it just purely online. Okay. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm from Oakland and I have so many friends and family members that live in that area. I, I just feel like part of the great thing is just going back to the place that I was originally from and you know, seeing everybody in person with my art. So I, for oh, me, yeah. I'm like, you know, I think the online stuff is great, but for this, I just really wanted to be there in person. No, that completely makes sense. Well, let me know if and when it's back on and um, maybe we can make a trip over there or something. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're about at that cutoff time. I, uh, I'm going to pause it and I'm going to, uh, we're going to set up a, a second part, get into your uh, origin story. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. Awesome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. We're back black and textile, everybody. <laughs> so yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about your origin story. I ask everybody what their origin story is because we're all superheroes in the art world. How did you get into the art world? What made you think that you could pursue this as a, as a career or craft? Yeah. So, um, it's, I, I feel like on one answer is I've, I've been doing it my whole life. And one answer is it's, I'm pretty new to the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a household that was pretty arts and craftsy. Uh, my mom was a retired kindergarten teacher. And so she always had little, you know, projects for us to do, you know, go build something, go write something, go draw something. Nice. And I learned all the, you know, needlepoint and embroidery and, and gardening and wood burning and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Um, and I sort of just took that with me into life as I grew up. And I always would just I'd come up with an idea and I'd be like, I got to make this thing. I just thought of it. I'm going to do it. And I do it. And I never once thought that that was art. I just thought the visual artists were different than me. They were people that made paintings and sculptures and photographs and right. um, they probably went to art school and they probably knew how to draw, you know, really photorealistic horses and things like that. And that was not me. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, just a few years ago, I, I kind of had started making uh, these embroideries and, and doing what I'm doing now. And I, I suddenly one day was like, I showed it to a friend. I was like, look what I've been doing. And he was like, yeah, this um, should be in, in a gallery. And I was like, a, a light bulb sort of went off in my head. I was like, yeah, that's what this is. This is art. I'm making art. Oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> um, and, and I just sort of set myself on this course to learn as much as I could about the art world. Um, you know, kind of understand, try to understand how it works. You know, why do galleries show artists? What's in it for them? You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Right. Um, no, that's smart. And just meet as many people as I could that were doing it and ask a lot of questions and just, you know, be really dumb and just curious and, and try to, try to understand this world, you know, because it, it, I feel sort of like I figured out the thing that I want to do. And now that's all that I want to do. And I want to do it to the ultimate ability that I can. Yes. That's awesome. You, you kind of approached it, um, in the right, I mean, there's no right or wrong way, but it feels like the right way. It's the opposite of the way I did it. Mine was more like I'm making art and and they're going to find me. And it was like, after about 10 years, I was like, oh, that's not working very well. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, you approached it in a much more practical way and you learned the kind of behind the scenes, which is great. I love that. So when was this, how old were you about when your friend was saying, this is art? I mean, this is just a few years ago. This is like five years ago or something. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm really just like, I'm a little baby in the art world is what I feel like. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, the the most helpful book it's this is this is hilarious, but um, is uh, Seven Days in the Art World was an amazing book to just it, it take each chapter is from the perspective of you know a gallery, a really huge artist, a museum, etc., and and you kind of get this three sixty view of different people in the art world and sort of what makes them tick. Oh, that's nice. Um, Seven so, Days in the Art World. I've never heard. Yeah. Of it. And it's very, it's a fun read. It's very like gossipy and juicy. So. Oh, cool. It's yeah. I stopped reading, uh, making it in the art world books. Um, that was part of like the impetus for doing this was because I wanted to, I wanted to give like practical advice from artists who are actually working in the art world, but it felt like for so long there was art, there were books being written by people who were like not even artists and they were just like, this is what you need to do. (laughs) And you know, you got to go this route and this is the only way to make it. And I'm sure there's other books out there that I wasn't exposed to that didn't do that, but that's what seemed to be kind of coming across my uh, my desk. But um, it sounds like they didn't. They basically told you ahead of time. Well, look, we're going to give you all these different perspectives, and not just be like, okay, this is the only way to do it from a gallery owner's perspective, right? It's more just like a dishy expose. I would say it's it's you know it's kind of like it's the junk food in a way. Oh, nice. You know, and I say this with love because I am, you know, I enjoy all kinds of junk food, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But it's, so it's, when, a fun, it's a fun read. So, the, and I, you know, I subscribed to Art Forum and I yeah. subscribed to Freeze and I was just like, I'm going to just kind of try to absorb as much as I possibly can about this, about this world. Well, you've made 
serious headway and progress in, in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it's, it's been going really, it's been going really well. And the other thing that I did that I think was, um, was helpful is I just decided if, if, you know, similar to how I approached Mike Collins, but I was like, if, if I see somebody's art that I connect with, I'm going to reach out to them and let them know and ask them for advice. You know, what would you recommend for someone who's just starting out? And I got some great advice. You know, one of the first people I, I did that to was a, this artist, Lisa Solomon, who's, mm-hmm. um, she's with the Walter Maceal gallery in yeah. Los Angeles. Um, and, and I was like, do you have any advice? And she, she told me about cafe. Uh, which I didn't know about. So, oh, nice. You know, just ask ask dumb questions, and you never know. You might find out something really important. That's a great tip, and something a lot of artists are kind of antisocial, and or they're just in their own head. Uh, I was. You're nervous to approach somebody. You think they're oh, I don't want to take up their time, but that's the exact way to do it. People want to give you advice. People want to help you along the way. Just just ask the questions and. Don't be afraid because that's the only way you're going to really learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I'd gone through this thing, like in, in a previous incarnation, I was in bands in LA mm-hmm. and, and was, you know, I never did anything like that. I never asked anybody for advice. You know, I was really like, don't tell me I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And I was like, that didn't quite work out for me as well as I'd hoped. So I, yeah. I thought, you know, I always was like, if I had that to do over again, you know, this is what I would do. So this is my chance to kind of put that into action. and. and and approach it and, and really just, you know, try to be cool. There's so many great people. I've met so many great people and that's really, that's its own reward. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, well, I was in a band too. I, I did music for many years. What, what kind of band were you in? What were you doing? Were you, were you singing, playing an instrument? What? Yeah, I was, I was singing I played guitar. I played keyboard. Um, and I was, I was in, uh, in, you know, kind of the Silver Lake, the Silver Lake scene, Spaceland and. Oh, perfect. And Silver Lake Lounge and all that sort of thing. Oh, that's indie, awesome. Indie rock, indie pop, indie, indie. pop. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, how long did you do that? Uh, quite a, quite a while until I was like, you know, if I never have to, you know, smell one more disgusting vomit soaked microphone again, I will be happy. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> the trick is just to make yourself smell like vomit soaked yes. and, and have yes. your, your breath and then you don't say, <laughs> like, is this me or the microphone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, where that's... were you? What, what was your band? And where where were you? Uh, doing well, that? I did um, I did college, and then a little bit after it was a it was a punk ska band, oh. and yeah, it was in it was in college, and uh, I always wanted to sing, so I was the lead singer, and I played trumpet for a while. So I don't even ask me how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> lead singer, trumpet player. So I never, I never, <laughs> I never took a breath. Basically, right. It was a um, a Catholic school. I wasn't religious, but it was a very good Catholic school, and. They, some of the guys in the band wanted to be a Christian ska band. And I was like, oh, I, I think we're limiting ourselves, you guys. Yeah, yeah. And so luckily, luckily they listened to me and we just became a kind of punk ska band. We went through a lot of different iterations of horns, but it was cool. I mean, we recorded a couple albums. We actually played a couple of legs of the Warp Tour. And uh, by the time I was uh, getting ready to leave, I think they kind of saw that I was moving on to something else and they they beat me to the punch and, and, and ousted me from the band. Oh, no. <laughs> It was very painful at the time, but I was like, you know what? That's that makes sense. It liberated you. Yes. Yeah, it liberated me. Exactly. I'm like, I can't really I couldn't really phone it in anyway, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's cool. It's good that you you have all those because don't you find that different um different areas of the arts feed all the other arts, like feed your your work as a as a textile or abstract painter? Yeah, definitely. It's I, I'm finding that it's it's like muscle memory in a way of uh of, you know, oh, I, you know, like I, like being in a band, you're constantly making flyers and promoting shows and things like that. And so, you right. know, now it's like, if, if, if I promote an art show, it's like, oh yeah, that thing, I know how to do that thing. That's, yes. That's yeah. You take little bits that you discover here and there and apply them also, even in the, uh, in the creative process. Like I find at the beginning, I didn't associate with a lot of um, other artists or, or painters uh, for the longest time. I was kind of like, no, I'm hanging out with actors. I'm hanging out with musicians. I'm hanging out with writers and um, it worked for a while. It just it just fed my creativity um, from a different angle, and it kind of went into my art. But then when I realized I wanted to make that transition and actually get ahead in the art world, I kind of made the shift. But I think it's just important to be well rounded in your influences. Absolutely, and I I, I actually think that um, you know this was reminding me that the way that I used to feel when I would write a song. Um, 
making a piece of art feels the most similar to that of anything that I've done since where you work on something very intensely for one minute, you know, or whatever, an hour a day, a week, you try to make it as great as you possibly can. And when it's done, it's done. And you just set it aside and you go on to the next. And there's always a next one that you can work on and try to do even better on the next one. Yes. Um, So, you know, I tend to be pretty prolific. I tend to just, you know, I just churn through, you know, uh, with as much kind of intensity as I can. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's similar with me. You can't really, you don't have time to look back because you're just on to the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of artists starting out when they're like, oh, I, I, you know, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the muse. I'm waiting for the inspiration to strike or I'm waiting for somebody else. I need somebody else to help me get into the creative mindset. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta get over that. You gotta just force yourself to start doing it because the muse is not always, does not always show up. For me, most of the time now, it's like, 20% of the time the muse shows up. Right. Other times it's just like, all right, I'm going to sit down and something's going to come out of it. Is that similar with you? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I think for sure there's, there's activities that I've come up with that I can kind of, it's like an on-ramp, right? So right. if you're not feeling inspired, you can kind of, you can do this, you can do that, you can do this other thing. And once you're moving and once you're using the materials and, you know, your paintbrushes are out and your sticks are out and you're just kind of, you know, canvases are lying everywhere. Um, cause I work flat on the ground. Um, yeah. you know, things start to happen then. And, and it kind of, you know, it, it, it sort of gets its own momentum going. Definitely. Um, it's, it's good to just have those prep activities that you can do to, to get the ball rolling for sure. Yeah. And it almost tricks your brain into being like, Oh, okay. Now we're being creative. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're doing this now. We're well, doing- oh, okay. We're doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we want it to or not, it's happening. Um, that's funny. Uh, so that's a good segue into, I always ask people what their secret weapon is. Maybe that's part of yours, but um, do you have like a secret uh, weapon or like a best practice that you use daily that kind of gets you into the creative mindset? Um, you know, I think, I think I've, I've probably mentioned most of, most of my little, little tricks for getting things going. Um, you know, chaos, accident, prolific, keep yeah. going on ramp. Um, you know, I, and I think just generally reaching out to reaching out to people is sort of where it's at. I think the more, you know, even though I live in Hawaii, isolation is not, is not helpful. I think sure. everything great in this world comes from two people connecting basically and talking about things. And then you start to have new ideas. You start to remember like, oh yeah, that person could be helpful to me or, you know, I love this painting or whatever it is. Um, so just try to stay connected. And um, I wanted to mention there's a, there's a group that I, there's a workshop that I took in Hawaii that actually is based out of LA. That's been super helpful for me that I would recommend for people to, um, yeah. Key Pai Pai. Um, how do you spell it? It's, it's a, it's a Hawaiian word. It, mm-hmm. uh, it's K I P A I P A I. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, it's these professional development workshops for artists. And so you get these incredible people from LA. So this is how I met James Panazzo from launch. Nice. Um, it's Andy Campagnone, who's at the Museum of Art and History yeah. in Lancaster. It's uh, Shana Dambrot from, you know, the art critic from the LA Weekly, mm-hmm. uh, Betty Brown, historian. These folks come and you can actually talk to them individually about your work, your questions, et cetera, uh, you know, for blocks oh, wow. of time, which is uh, very well, cool. Sounds so like you have a better chance of meeting them there than here. I, I think so. No, can, I mean, and also I think it's different. Like you can see somebody out in an opening and chit chat, oh, yeah. but when you get a half hour with these people to just say, okay, we're going to talk about me. Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty unique. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. That is, and so you, I'm assuming you have to be uh, there. Do you have to be a local artist to do that or can you? Can no, you, okay. no. And they, they have them everywhere. They have them in, there's one in Joshua tree uh, currently still on the schedule for the end of May, but you know, TBD on that, of course. Yeah. Um, right. There's, you know, they've, they're doing them in New York and the Bay area. So they're all over the place. Um, oh, that's so cool. I, I had yeah. no idea. I'm going yeah. to check that out. Yeah. It's, it's good. I mean, I think there's definitely people there that are at a, you know, they're represented by galleries and, and you know, kind of a, a pretty high level of, you know, their career and still getting value from it. So. so what are you, what are you currently working on right now? Are you, are you working on anything new or are you kind of down with the quarantine? 
Well, you know, I, I've uh, so so there's a couple a couple things that I was um, that that I had going on. Like I said, my solo show was uh, was supposed to open last week, and the the work right. for that is complete. Um, I also got accepted to be in an exhibition at Art Basel in Switzerland. I saw uh, that, which was supposed to be in June, and I believe that's gotten moved to September. So I've, I'm working on the pieces for that. Okay, um, and it's kind of nice to have a little you know, a little extra time on that one. Are you going and, to Switzerland? Of course. Oh, nice. I wouldn't miss it. Are you kidding? I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I came out to LA for freeze week. You know, I just, I I love all the kind of fancy art world stuff. That's another good tip, uh, by the way, because I think people can, I think artists can also get a little nervous about traveling. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you have to travel a little bit, but it sounds like you actually enjoy getting out there and representing your, your stuff in person. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love being on planes. I love traveling. It's, you know, it's still like, to me, it's like the first time I ever got on an airplane. It just is exciting always. Yeah. Um, and I, because of the work that I do, I, I can, I can still work on an airplane. You know, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, I make these tiny pieces that are basically the size of airplane trays and, oh, nice. you know, it's a good way to just, you know, obviously the painting I can't do on the plane, but the sewing is perfect. Right. And um, it's a good way to just try out new techniques and explore things. And sometimes those end up being kind of a, you know, a a sketch or maquette for a bigger piece, or they end up making their way into a bigger piece. Or sometimes I just sell them, you know, just as as smaller pieces for folks too. That's actually like the best way I've heard of killing time on a flight too. Just creating art. That's awesome. Yeah. And the the flight attendants are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? really weird. (laughs) Yeah. But, but do they let you, so you actually bring a needle? Yeah, you can bring a needle. You can bring. You can bring a needle. <laughs> you can bring. You can bring scissors. Oh my! Um, no. Yeah, yeah. As long as the blade, I, I, it's like the the rule is like the blade can't be longer than four inches. Um, really? So yeah, because yeah, four inches be, won't kill anybody. Right. <laughs> no. I That's almost insane. hate to say it because I feel like it's a loophole. That. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We, we can we can take this part out if you. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't kill my vibe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so I've got these little tiny, you know, this little tiny pair of scissors that I take. And the needles are fine. Needles are, needles are harmless. That's so cool. I'm going to have to start doing that. I'm going to start bringing my easel on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> I, so. I think assuming so. Assuming that the airlines are still working at some point, right? I, I know. I know. Seriously. Uh, sorry to bring it down. <laughs> Debbie Downer. Okay, so on the flip side, do you have like a failure, like a biggest failure or a failure that kind of was debilitating in the time, but you kind of learned something from? Good question. Um well, I, I think, I think there's a, I think there's one that's sort of, you know, just tactical, uh, not even tactical, just practical, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, being that I live uh, on the most remote landmass in the world, basically on this island, um, shipping is a thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and it's, there's a lot of scarcity here. Like my husband, my husband went to the store the other day and there's no lemonade. Everyone sold out of lemonade. Um, oh, wow. You know, there's been times when there's no powdered sugar, like things just, they might be here. They might not be here. Um, and you're shipping saying boxes, like pre-quarantine. Pre-quarantine, they might yeah, not be here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and shipping boxes is one of those things that is uh, challenging to find. There was a store that I'd found that had a pretty good selection and then they went out of business. So, you know, now it's like, what do they have at Office Max? And how can I cut that down into a size that works for me? Yeah. Um, that's complicated. It's complicated. And then I do a lot of also, shipping and that's complicated. Yeah. You do do a lot of shipping. Yeah. You probably have it down to a science, I'm thinking. You, well, do you try to order your stuff online ever? Um, it's it, the shipping cost to get things like if you like Uline or, or whatever, yeah. it's incredibly expensive to get things sent to this Island. So I, oh, wow. you know, I try to be, I'm trying to be thrifty about it. Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a constant, you know, challenge, let's just say. And yeah. so shipping, shipping out sometimes also, I I've been known to wait until the last minute to ship something for a show and then have it get there. Like, uh, one of the, one of the first shock box shows that I was in, there was a tsunami warning or a hurricane or something. And so, you know, I dropped my piece off at the post office and then it just sat there for a week. And oh, no. Mike literally went to the Hermosa Beach post office. It came in that day and he had to go to the post office and wait in line to pick it up and <laughs> hang it for the opening that <laughs> evening. I was like, wow. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Most people probably, I was like, if you don't want to do it, that's okay. (laughs) So I I think just, you know, what it's, what it's taught me is I've got to be really diligent about, you know, setting deadlines and, and, you know, making sure that I hit those and that I leave a lot of time for things to go wrong because God forbid, you know, doesn't get there in time and somebody isn't as accommodating as Mike. So. Oh my um, God. That's why if I get something ordered, even, even though we have 
not right now, but normally we have ample boxing materials around here, but I will try to ship same day. Somebody, or even if it's a huge piece, I will drop what I'm doing, box it same day and, and try to ship it out because you never know if it's going to get stuck in customs. I have a piece out there right now that's a big assembled piece. It's going to the UK. It left, it left uh, inter, uh, Los Angeles International Airport and um, the customs here and on the 4th. And it hasn't, it just hasn't gotten anywhere. Oh. I don't know where it is. I oh. called, yeah, I called USPS and they're like, yeah, we'll open a case for it. it takes 35 days. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is supposed to be here this week. I reached out to the customer. I'm like, honestly, I, I think it's just the times we're living in. Uh, it, I'm hoping it'll be sorted out this week, but you just got to keep on top of everything, especially with shipping. If any young artists out there are, are worried about shipping, um, I'm going to have an episode coming up all about shipping and it's oh. uh it's a it's a pain in the ass, but uh, it's I good will to be know listening to that. Okay, yes. good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I've learned a lot with trial and error, um, and it's probably the biggest question I get all the time. Is like, what do you do for shipping? So, look forward to that. But um, I'm actually not looking forward to to recording that. But it'll hopefully be helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the spinach. It's the part that you know you don't want to you don't want to have to deal with it, but you do. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then the other. I think the other thing that. Uh, you know, back in, like, if I look, again, looking back to when I was in bands is I, I always felt a little bit competitive with other bands. I felt like, oh, there's only so many people that are going to get, you know, record deals or tours or whatever. Um, right. And if someone else gets it, that's someone that took something away from me. And I want that thing. And I, I think in hindsight, I'm like, you know what, if somebody gets something like, you know, celebrate that and, you know, yes. and be the first person up in the front of their show and be the first person to buy their record and, you know, just it, make the party bigger. Um, and, and so that's really, you know, that's kind of the approach that I'm taking with art now is, you know, is, is we're not, we're not competing for stuff. We're just, we're, we're all in it together and let's support each other basically. Oh my God. I completely agree with you. So you kind of have a little bit of a, an abundance mindset when it comes to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I even saw some study, it was like, this, these scientists went and analyzed, you know, the artists that were the most successful over the last 50, 80 years. And, and what did they have in common, you know, apart from being white guys, of course. Um, but the thing that they found is uh, the artists that knew the most other artists, like that mm-hmm. friendship is what lifts you. It lifts everybody together. And so I really believe that. It does. And, and whether you believe in anything woo-woo or like whatever, law of attraction or anything like that, I'm not saying that, but I really feel like it's very blocking when you are putting that kind of negative energy towards somebody else's career or, or what they're doing. It just like shuts you down as well. So that's good. That's a good, that's good advice. Um, speaking of advice, do you have any advice to your younger self? If you were just getting into this um, right now, uh, what was this, five years ago or 10 years ago? And yeah. you were speaking to your older self, what would you tell yourself? I mean, I think back to super young me, like me in college, trying, trying out stuff. And I think the thing that I would tell that person is, you know, I was really, I was really shy and I sort of solved that problem by just having a really tight, new tight knit group of friends. And that was who I hung out with. It was a little clicky. I mm-hmm. think how it came off. Um, and I think, if I could go back in time, I would tell that person to, you know, it's like, go up and talk to other people, ask people questions, um, show interest in what they're doing and just expand, expand, not contract. Right. Right. Exactly. That's great. And it sounds like that's what you, you did start doing. And that's, yes, I, now that I'm I'm older and wiser and I've learned (laughs) my own, (laughs) my own misdeeds. Did you, did you talk to yourself? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Right. Uh, so where do you, okay. So going forward, where do you see yourself or, or do you have any lofty goals for the next five years? Where do you, where do you see your art in five years or your career in five years? In five years? Well, my, my goal is, my goal is really, I, I want to be, um, you know, Yayoi Kusama when I'm 80. So, you know, I've got, I've got some nice. time still. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the slow path. So this is all just backstory for some future date when I'm, you know, when I have a great pair of signature sunglasses and, you know, yes, and uh, I, really cool hairstyle. So. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, and I think that's one of the cool things about being an artist, right? You can continue to get better and better your whole life. And artists seem to live a really long time. So I think we're very fortunate in that way, right? Yeah, let's let's hope so. Let's, let's hope so. As long as yeah, we don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you don't drink yourself to death, you're, you're probably going to live a long time as an artist. So where can people find your work online, on social media and your website? Yeah. So everything is at uh, Joy Ray Art. So that's J-O-Y-R-A-Y. A-R-T. So it's joyrayart.com is my website. And on the socials, it's at joyrayart. Yes. And check it out. Her, her work is 
Awesome. You'll, you'll love it. Um, do you feel like, I, I think I probably rambled too much, but do you think, <laughs> do you feel like we left anything out? Is there anything you want to uh, leave us with? Um, yeah. I mean, I think just uh, shameless you know, plugging, anything <laughs> shameless plugging, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, no, we, we won't plug anything, but uh, I, I just, you know, like do cool stuff, uh, be kind, be generous and be fearless is my final words. Here. Awesome. Yes. I love it. Words to live by. Well, thanks so much, Joy. This has been great talking to you. Thank you, Preston. This has been super fun. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful. So thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.